It seemed to him that if he got down on all fours, he would look more like a dog from Zero's point of view, and Zero might then identify with him and begin to imitate him. Jack took a quick glance at the house to make sure no one was looking, then began the experiment. Fetch! he yelled, and hurled the stick. He then dropped down on all fours and scrambled as fast as he could to get it. Zero was obviously thrown by this maneuver and kept dodging all round, barking furiously and getting in his way. Jack doggedly went the whole distance, and as a final desperate bid had the idea of ducking his head and coming up with a stick in his mouth. There, he said through his clenched teeth, that's the way to do it, good boy. It was very bad luck that Mr. Bagthorpe caught him like this. Zero had been making such a racket at the time that Jack had not heard the car until it ground to a halt. He lifted his head, the stick still between his teeth, and encountered the astounded and horror-struck gaze of Mr. Bagthorpe. He wrenched open the car door, shouting, "'For God's sake, Laura, get the doctor, quick!' Mrs. Bagthorpe, after one disbelieving look, uttered a low moan and disappeared into the house. Mr. Bagthorpe advanced hesitatingly one or two paces, and Jack was so riveted he did not even let go the stick immediately. "'Now then,' said Mr. Bagthorpe, in a carefully controlled voice, "'it's all right, Jack. It's only me. Here, boy, you let go that stick, and come here.' Jack was so mesmerized that he actually did as he was told. He let the stick drop from his mouth, and began to advance on all fours toward his father. Zero kept pace with him. He had given up barking now. This was the effect Mr. Bagthorpe always had on him. Afterward, Jack could never understand why he had acted the way he did. It would have been easy enough just to drop the stick and stand up. The only explanation he could come up with was that Mr. Bagthorpe's stare had put him into a state of light hypnosis. "'Good boy,' said Mr. Bagthorpe soothingly. Then Jack saw his right arm. It was covered from fingers to elbow with smooth white plaster. It was then that the spell broke. Jack got to his feet, and he and his father confronted one another for a few seconds, at a distance of about twenty yards. Jack had the feeling that Mr. Bagthorpe wished to preserve this distance. "'You just stay where you are,' he said, and calm down for a minute. You'll be all right.' "'I am all right,' Jack told him. "'Come on, Zero. Good boy.' Mr. Bagthorpe dropped back a couple of paces and was right up against the car. "'Look,' said Jack, "'I'm all right, I tell you.' "'I know, I know,' said Mr. Bagthorpe. Jack was getting irritated by all this soothing. He preferred Mr. Bagthorpe as he usually was. He cast round for the best way to get him back to normal. It did not take long. "'I see they've put your arm in plaster,' he said. "'That's bad luck. That's really rotten luck.' "'Bad luck?' "'Bad luck!' "'That's him.' Mr. Bagthorpe's voice threatened to rise right out of its actual range. "'It's diabolical! It's unbelievable! It's the end! I can't stand it! I shall go off my head!' There was a pause. "'And that'll make two of us,' he said. He gave Jack another uneasy look. "'Now you come in. There's a good boy. Just follow me.' He turned, and Jack followed, and so did Zero. Mr. Bagthorpe opened the door of the sitting-room. He just stood there in the doorway, staring at something, and Jack caught up and peered past his elbow. The television was silently showing a commercial for toothpaste. Seated in front of it were Grandpa and Uncle Parker, both fast asleep. 
The latter had his feet up on another chair, and a half-finished gin and tonic stood by his elbow. Asleep. Me at hospital, having my arm amputated for all he knew, and he goes to sleep. It was Uncle Parker he meant, not Grandpa. The man's an emotional cripple. He hasn't a feeling bone in his body. He moved swiftly forward and pulled away the chair from under Uncle Parker's feet. Uncle Parker instantly shot up and stood staring wildly about him, and cried, "'Fire! Where?' "'You may well ask,' <clears throat> returned Mr. Bagthorpe grimly. "'This house, containing all my scripts and nearly all my relations, could have gone up about your ears for all you'd have known.' "'Oh, there isn't one.' Uncle Parker, relieved, sat down again and took a swig of his gin and tonic. "'Easiest thing in the world to drop off in front of television, of course,' he said, with intent to infuriate. He caught sight of Mr. Bagthorpe's arm. "'Oh, bad luck!' he exclaimed sympathetically. Mr. Bagthorpe was enraged by this. "'If anyone says that again,' he gritted, "'I'll throttle him. "'Difficult,' murmured Uncle Parker, "'with just the one hand. "'I've sent for him. He's coming right over.' As she spoke, Mrs. Bagthorpe went straight to Jack and put her hand on his forehead. Jack was touched by this. It was a very brave thing to do, if she really thought he was a raving lunatic. "'He feels very hot,' she told the others, as if Jack were not there. "'That's because I've been running around for about an hour,' Jack said. "'Anyone would be hot.' "'Wait till that doctor comes,' said Mr. Bagthorpe. "'I'll sort him out. He's been in practice long <coughs> enough to recognize a raving lunatic when he's right under his nose.' "'What's happened, then?' inquired Uncle Parker with interest, then in slightly awed tones. "'Has young Jack had another vision?' "'Vision my elbow,' returned Mr. Bagthorpe. "'I returned from an agonizing and traumatic ordeal at the hospital "'to find my own son crouched on all fours in the middle of the lawn "'with a stick in his mouth, for God's sake.' "'Were you?' "'Even Uncle Parker seemed surprised. "'I'm all right, I tell you.' "'Jack was beginning to feel cornered.' "'If you sent for the doctor, you're wasting your time.' "'What I always said would happen has finally happened, of course,' said Mr. Bagthorpe, throwing himself into a chair. "'He has gone round with that pudding-footed, mutton-brained hound till it's finally sent him clear out of his mind. I said it would happen. I said it hundreds of times.' Nobody could deny this. "'If you really want to know,' said Jack, not seeing how confessing could make things any worse than they already were. I was training Zero to fetch a stick. Ha! Mr. Bagthorpe let out a sardonic laugh. That's rich, that is. If we needed any proof, we've got it now. Anyone who thinks that dopey hound could fetch a stick in a million years has to be loony. Fetch a stick! Ha! He was beginning to get the hang of it, said Jack sturdily. I'm sure he was. It's just that nobody had ever shown him properly what to do before, and that's what I was doing. Oh, dear. Mrs. Bagthorpe sat down suddenly. I don't know what to think. None of us knows what to think, said Mr. Bagthorpe. We're losing our minds. Insanity is infectious, you know. You've heard of the nuns of Loudon. In that case, said Uncle Parker, rising with easy grace, I'm off. No offense. You and that pyromaniac daughter of yours are probably the source of infection, Mr. Bagthorpe told him. That Danish girl... Uncle Parker paused by the door. I've got to go into Isham tomorrow. Pick her up for you, shall I? We've enough on without shipping corpses back to Denmark, thank you, said Mr. Bagthorpe. 
"'Now, just a moment,' said his wife. "'Let me think a moment. "'You can't drive, dear.' "'Drive?' he gave a hollow laugh. "'Drive? Hold a pen? Pick up? "'No, and I'm right in the middle of my problems.' "'Who?' inquired her husband. "'Is not.' "'And so,' concluded Mrs. Bagthorpe, "'it really would be a help if it's no trouble, Russell.' "'I told you. Got to go in anyway.' "'Thank you. But you will be careful, won't you?' she pleaded. "'I shall drive,' Uncle Parker promised her, "'like an angel.' <laughs> "'And probably end up being one,' said Mr. Bagthorpe. "'Correction. There's no way you'll end up in heaven, though your passenger might.' "'Oh, do stop it, Henry,' said Mrs. Bagthorpe. "'There's no need at all for that sort of talk.' I know you've had a trying day. Trying? Trying? Grandpa woke up. I enjoyed that, he said. Yes, I did. He got up and switched off the television. Off up now. Good night, all. Ah, good evening, Dr. Winters, Uncle Parker was saying in the hall. Good evening again. Just on my way out. The patient's in there, you'll find. Dr. Winters came in and looked wearily about him. Now, he said, what can I do for you this time? 